So what is it that you want most out of life? When you imagine your future, when you picture your perfect life, what does that look like? Even more than that, what do you think it's gonna take you to get there? You might have a very clear picture of that in your mind, or it might be kind of blurry, but I think we all have one. And actually, I'd love to hear what your good life looks like. If at any point during our time today, you wanna to move this from a one-sided conversation and wanna share your point of view or ask a question or just talk with someone, you can reach out to me through the number you see on screen right now. My name is Nathan and you can send me a text whenever you want and I'll be in contact with you as soon as I can. I'd love to hear from you. Cause see, we all have different ideas of what the good life is. It might be a job you're looking for, some level of success or status or a relationship. It's a dream home or just this blurry kind of image of what it means to have made it. But we all spend our lives trying to search for meaning and happiness in this life through all kinds of things. One philosopher said there are three basic questions of life and one of these is what makes a person well off or what does it take to live the good life, the best possible life. I mean, we all wanna be living our best lives, but let's be honest. Normally the things we think it will take to get us to our best lives have often been the very things that have wrecked our lives. We think success or fame or money will lead to our best life, so we work and we sacrifice time with our families and we sacrifice relationships and maybe even good health and sleep habits and then when we finally get the good life we were looking for, it turns out it wasn't all we thought it would be and we now have burned some relationships that really did matter to us. In fact, maybe that's why you're tuning in with Church Online today. It's not because some tragedy happened in your life. It's because your dream came true and you found out it wasn't all you thought it would be. Or maybe you thought the good life was about getting married and raising some kids and you poured your whole life into that and then they graduated and moved away and now you feel empty. Or maybe you thought the good life was in living life to the fullest and so you did whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted, with whoever you wanted. And now you've got memories you wish you could forget and places you can't go anymore because you'll see some faces that remind you of some nights that you hope no one else will ever find out about. The good life wasn't all that good. And maybe you haven't gotten to that point yet, but you're already starting to see some cracks in the wall of your plan for a good life. You're beginning to question, what if that's not really the best life possible? What if I get all the success and power I've ever dreamed of and it's not enough to make me feel loved? I mean, what if I've spent all this time trying to find myself and one day I do and it turns out that I wasn't enough for me? What if I get the job, get the girl, get the house and the kids and still just feel like I do right now? Well, those are good questions. In fact, I think they're godly questions. Now, hopefully it's not a shock to you that because you're tuning in online with a Christian church that I believe that Jesus offers the answers to these questions. And if you'll give me some time, I'd like to show you how. You see, when Jesus was on earth, his primary message was not about what happens after we die, which is what most of us think when we think of Jesus. You know, I become a Christian and I get to go to heaven when I die. But Jesus' primary message was about something that was happening through his life on earth. It was this message of the kingdom of God. And I'll actually come back to that idea in a minute, but I want you to hear how Jesus describes the kingdom of God. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God 
is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Jesus said that experiencing the kingdom of God is a life so meaningful, so exciting and good that it would be like finding hidden treasure in a field. You'd give up everything you have to purchase it. This life would be so good it would be worth whatever you had to give up to get it. Jesus often referred to life in the kingdom of God as abundant life or eternal life, which isn't a reference to our afterlife. It's about the kind of life we will have in eternity with God right now in our present reality. Jesus said it's the best life possible. So how do we experience this life? Well, Jesus said it's pretty simple. It's a process called discipleship. You see, Jesus didn't call anyone to be a Christian or to join a religion. He actually called people to follow him. And more specifically, he called people to be his disciples. And a disciple is an apprentice of a particular person. In this case, it's a Jewish rabbi like Jesus. And often we think of disciples as being like students of a teacher, but it's not really helpful for most of us because our concept of being a student actually is pretty damaging in this case. Most of us know that when a child goes off to high school or college, out of all the knowledge they acquire in their schooling, they're probably going to use maybe 20% of it in whatever job they end up in. I mean, think about it. All you high school graduates who are heading off to college soon, you have plans to be an accountant or an architect or artist or other alliterative job. But you don't just show up on day one and take accounting classes. You gotta read Young Goodman Brown in English 1101, and that knowledge doesn't help anyone. And then you gotta take geology and geology lab. Why? Because that will help you in your job in human resources? No, because you gotta have two sciences in a lab. You gotta, you gotta have three foreign language courses, or you can substitute a public speaking course because those are comparable. No, because you gotta. And then you say those dreaded words every teacher and parent hates to hear. I'm never gonna use this. And we hate to hear it because you're right. You don't need astronomy for your interior design degree, but you gotta have it. And let's be honest, that's how most of us view being a Christian. There are certain things I gotta know and I gotta believe to be a good Christian, but I don't really have to do anything with it. I'm never going to actually use it. But a disciple isn't just a student acquiring knowledge. A disciple is an apprentice learning from their master how to do everything that they do. Discipleship is like learning a trade or a skill where you go and you study under a person how to do a particular job and all the knowledge you learn gets applied. And so when Jesus called his followers, he called them to discipleship. And then after his death and resurrection, he sent them into the world with these very clear instructions. Go and make disciples. Not Christians, not students, disciples. Here's what this means. It means to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Not just read them the Bible or give them the right beliefs. Teach them how to do everything I commanded. That's Jesus' plan for human flourishing. It's his path, the only true path to the good life, to the abundant life he promises. He invites us, come to me and do everything I command you to do and you will have the kind of life you truly want. Well, I'm not sure I want to, to do that. I mean, my picture of the good life does not include doing what Jesus or anyone else commands me to do. I mean, even if I wanted to, I'm not sure I could. I mean, isn't, 
Isn't that the whole point of Jesus? That he's perfect and I'm not, right? Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven. How can I be expected to do everything Jesus commanded? Well, honestly, I don't have time to get into all those questions right now. But if you reached out to me through the number on screen, we could have a conversation about it and I would be happy to talk with you and hear your point of view, answer any questions you have. You can just send me a text right now. And while you do, I wanna give you a picture of what it actually looks like to be a disciple. This is not a picture of a perfect person, but of someone experiencing the abundant eternal life Jesus offers because they are being intentional about obeying what Jesus says about how to live their life. Well, when I was young, I went to Catholic school and with Catholic school, there's a lot of rituality to it. Um, and it seemed so controlled and so mindless in a, in a sense that um, it just didn't quite, quite fit. And I was rebellious as a young kid anyway. So I came to a point in my life where I thought, I don't like religion very much because it's, it seems to be, you know, I'm always wrong and, um, and what's right I can't attain. So that, that was always difficult. So I stayed away for years. And over the years, you know, through the Navy and stuff like that, I was around a lot of different people, Jehovah Witness, um, uh, Harry Christians, you see them all over the world. So, so I was always searching for something. Don't really know exactly what I'm searching for, but, I'm, but I know there's something there that I need to search for. Um, as I got to be an adult with children of my own, um, I started coaching ball and I was, pretty good at it. So I was doing baseball, basketball, and football with a community of children. And well, this community of children had a community of parents who went to church and they invited us to church and I was baptized. And um, and I was pretty involved in the church we did, with multiple churches. I've been to churches here besides Community Christian. Um, if things don't quite go the way I think they should be going, I get my nose bent, you know, I get my lips stuck out and off I go. And all this time in my life, I've been God has been a distance from me. You know, when I got saved, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be, from that point forward, things are gonna change. Like when I got saved, when I come up out of that water, and it felt fantastic, and I thought, he's in control, I'm good, and life is gonna be up and to the right from this point forward. Not realizing that here I am just wanting to be fed, and not being truly involved in what he's doing in the world or what he has planned for the world. I just, I was just, you know, they're taking up space doing churchy things. And and here I was coming into Community Christian, I'm doing still churchy things. I'm involved with the projects and this, that, and the other. And yes, I got my nose bent out of joint here too. I decided that I'm gonna do a sabbatical and I leave for, man, it's gotta be nine months. And I come back in, I told God before I come back in, I said, I'm gonna tell you what, I said, I'm coming back to service one last time. I said, this is your shot. I said, you show me what I'm supposed to be doing and, and speak to me or I'm going left and you know me, I do left. I can do it pretty good. So I'm sitting there and and, um, and I'm waiting for God to talk, waiting for God to talk. And he doesn't talk, but, I, but he's got my ears up. I got a friend, Garrett Wood, and he was sitting behind me. Well, at the end of the service, Garrett stops me and I hadn't talked to him in a while. And he goes, hey, I want, I want you to, um, be a part of a, a group. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, there's this thing we're doing at church here and it's a discipleship thing. 
he includes me into this discipleship program. And I didn't really know what to expect going in, but the um, I could feel that it was something important. And then he got two other men in, involved, you know, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm engaged with these three other guys doing scripture every morning and taking, I guess action is the word for it, taking action into what um, it is to be a Christian. So, geez, maybe a year into it, it really gets me and hits me good that I realized, once I realized to the point where, you know, I've always been wanting God to be there and I thought that, you know, I'm gonna pray for him, he's gonna fix this, he's gonna fix that. The reality was I wasn't going to where he's at. Once I realized to go where he's at, my life completely changed. <clears throat> So imagine this, here's what he showed me. You know how many times you meet other adults and they, um, they have pictures of their grandchildren or pictures of their children and they get out and they start showing to you. Do you know that God has a picture of me? All this time in my life, I've been putting on this facade, this face and <clears throat> That's not who he sees me as. And, you know, I run with a, I ran with a certain crowd and, you know, tough guy this, tough guy that. And that's not really who he's seen me as. He's seen me as this strong, loving, compassionate, giving guy. I'm like, who in the heck is that guy? You know? Now, now, <clears throat> see me. I have a discipleship group of my own. And what's the difference? in my life totally is I have gone to where he's at. That's when you really start seeing some stuff happen. Um, I'm a prime example of that. Because if you knew me years ago, you go, I'm not the same guy. But it is all, all because of, it's all because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God to be in working in me because I'm following his son one step at a time. I mean, really, at the end of the day, I get to hopefully experience eternal life. At what cost? Read once a day, you know, pray once a day and, 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 and connect with my brothers once a day. Man, now that I see what's coming, that's easy. So let's talk about the kingdom of God for a minute. When Jesus began his ministry, he didn't announce, hey, I'm starting a new religion. You believe in me, and when you die, you'll get to go to heaven. In fact, Jesus' message was not really about what happens after we die. He came to announce something that was starting right here and right now. Here's what Jesus said. The time has come, he said. Now, not the time is coming or one day after you die. He says the time has come. Right here, right now, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. See, when he says the kingdom of God has come near, he's talking about a present reality, something that was happening in their midst. In fact, Jesus is talking about what he is doing on earth. It's like Jesus is saying, hey, you see all the miracles I do? 
You see how I go around setting right all the wrong things in the world? Sicknesses are healed and blind, given sight, feeding thousands of people who are hungry. Do you hear how all my teachings are about loving your enemies and bringing justice to the poor and honoring others? These are all signs that God is doing something new. He's making this world the way it always should have been. And he's doing this through his kingdom. So the kingdom of God is just God's power and rule interacting with human beings in this world. It's the world being remade the way God intends it to be. Justice being done, equality being established, wrongs being made right, the hungry fed and the poor lifted up. But it's also people being remade in God's image, relationships made whole, and bitterness and greed and lust and evil desires being rooted out of our souls and replaced with joy and peace and love. See, this is the kind of life that Jesus came to bring to us, a, a life fully lived under the rule and empowered by the strength and wisdom of God, a life where we do everything Jesus commanded us to do, but not on our own, with the help of God. So Jesus said, the time has come that this kingdom of God that makes this life possible has come near to you. So what should be your response? Repent and believe this good news. Now this word repent is one that doesn't really make sense to us. Maybe it conjures up images of Turner burn street preachers and confessionals, or maybe it doesn't make you think of anything because it's not really a common word. The idea surrounding repentance is actually about doing a complete 180. It was often used as a military term at that time for an about face. It's to turn around, to do something completely differently. And in terms of Jesus' offer of apprenticeship, he's inviting us to really just to rethink and reimagine everything we know about life. We repent when we make a new decision, when we rethink our approach to life based on new information. Author Dallas Willard wrote about growing up in the early 1900s when his small town in Missouri first had power lines run in their town and they had to opt in to whether to have electricity in their homes and farms. And he writes about this experience like this. When those lines came by our farm, a very different way of life pre presented itself. Our relationships to fundamental aspects of life, daylight and dark, hot and cold, clean and dirty, work and leisure, preparing food and preserving it, could then be vastly changed for the better. But we still had to believe in the electricity and its arrangements. We had to understand them and take the practical steps involved in relying on it. It required rethinking everything about their approach to life. This is an image of repentance. And so Willard wrote that this was effectively the message those farmers heard. Repent, for electricity is at hand. Turn from your kerosene lamps and lanterns, your ice boxes and cellars, your scrub boards and rug beaters, your woman-powered sewing machines, and your radio with dry cell batteries. The power that could make their lives far better was right there near them. See, this is the offer Jesus makes to us. Rethink everything you think it takes to make your life good and prosperous. Rethink what your idea of the good life really is and believe, embrace, immerse yourself in the reality of what Jesus says the good life really is. Jesus is saying, I want you to rethink your entire approach to life because your approach isn't working for you. And I want you to embrace the reality of life in my kingdom. 
Immerse yourself in the truth that what he offers is better than anything you could get on your own. See, that's where discipleship actually begins. It doesn't have to begin with faith or with me believing that Jesus is who he says he is. In fact, just because I call myself a Christian doesn't mean that I fully repented. Some of you have been a Christian your whole life and you've never really experienced the kind of life change you've heard others talk about or the abundant life that Jesus promises. And this is why. I live most of my life as a Christian, believing that Jesus was the Son of God and knowing that he died for my sins and was mainly just banking on him getting me into heaven. But I was still relying on my power and myself and my, living with my view of what it meant to make my life good. I did what I wanted, how I wanted, and it took me nearly blowing up my life for me to admit, maybe everything I think it takes for me to have a good life is wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about everything. And you don't have to believe like me that Jesus is the Son of God or that he's even the most intelligent teacher about human life to ever live, although he is. All you have to believe is that your way of doing life, it isn't working for you. Go back to that vulnerable place of questioning everything that we talked about earlier. What if there's no amount of power or success that can ever make you feel loved or enough? What if you finally find yourself and you aren't enough for yourself? What if you finally get financial security, but it doesn't calm all your anxieties? What if all your attempts to protect yourself and control your life are actually leading you to the anger that leaves you out of control? What if your pursuit of excitement and pleasure and meaning actually has left you with desires that are out of your control? What if everything you thought would bring you the good life has actually left you feeling empty and alone? I wanna encourage you to take some time during this next song to do some rethinking and repenting about your entire approach to life. Ask the hard questions of yourself. And if during this song, something moves you or prompts you to a thought that you can't get rid of, would you reach out to me? Just text that number on screen and I'd be happy to talk with you. Would you take that risk as we listen to this next song? What if who I hoped to be was always me? And the love I fought to feel was always free? What if all the things I've done, yeah, were just attempts at earning love, yeah? Cause the hole inside my heart is stupid deep. Stupid deep. What if where I've tried to go was always here? And the path I've tried to cut was always clear? Why has life become a plan yeah, to put some money in my head when the love I really need is stupid cheap? Stupid cheap. What if who I hoped to be was always me? And the love I fought to feel was always free. What if all the things I've done yeah, were just attempts at earning love? 
Because a hole inside my heart is stupid deep Stupid The love and meaning and life you've always truly wanted, it's near to you right now. It's not far off. Jesus has been saying to ordinary men and women just like you and me, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. The power and presence of God is available to you. The eternal and abundant life of God, it is closer to you than you know. All you have to do is trust me enough to do what I say. Repent of your old way of life. Rethink your entire approach to life and embrace my teachings. Make a plan to do everything I've commanded you to do and you can experience my abundant life. And so for the next few minutes, I just want you to imagine with me. Reimagine what the good life looks like through the lens of the kingdom of God. It's a life that produces love beyond measure. It's the person who has joy and peace even in unimaginable circumstances. And not because they're denying their reality or just pretending everything's okay, but simply because they are fully committed to a deeper reality where God is king and he has good and wonderful things in store for them. So they can have patience to endure trials and kindness that is more than just being polite, but is deeply rooted in the goodness of God who generously pours out loving kindness on all of us. It's the gentleness that honors people over always having the last word or being the smartest in the room or winning the argument. Instead, instead of constant conflict and strife, this person produces deep and meaningful relationships and they are faithfully committed to the people in their lives and to all God is doing in this world. It's a person who is full of integrity and character. They always say what they mean and they only say what they mean. They are the same person in public that they are in private. A person who doesn't have to hide anything or fear that any secrets will come out because they are not controlled by their desires and passions, but by the still, quiet voice of God who is within them. It's a life that Jesus described as easy and light, a life full of rest. Work and family life are in perfect balance. Responsibilities, relationships, rest and play all in their proper place and fully enjoyed for what they are. A life not based on seeking or striving to earn love or admiration, but firmly rooted in the belief that God is working for our good and that His love is enough. It's a life that is defined by love. A life that is others-focused and humble, seeking to honor others, putting our schedule, our plans, our wants and desires behind the needs of others. It's taking time to treat every person in our path as of immense value because they matter to God. Whether we don't see, it's where we don't see others as rivals to be dominated or villains to be defeated or pawns to be controlled. A life where everyone who comes in contact with us is better for having met us. Where our spouses and children and co-workers and neighbors feel more alive and refreshed after being around us. It's a life where we're not easily irritated or offended by others. A life where we don't hold grudges or allow bitterness to take root in our hearts. We can forgive just as we've been forgiven because we trust that God's justice and truth went out in the end. 
But we're not simply passive either. We work to better the lives of others and our world because we are convinced that the justice of God means that all things are as they should be, that the wrongs are made right and the weak are made strong and the broken are made whole, that we work to see all injustice corrected, all oppression removed, all evil destroyed. For through Jesus, the kingdom of God is breaking into reality and he has invited us to be a part of bringing it to bear in our world. And most of all, It's a life where love is our chief priority because our God is love and all of his commands lead us to love God and love people just as Jesus has loved us. It's a life where we can freely and easily love because we are firmly convinced that our God's love is the only foundation worth standing on. And when we are fully consumed by his love for us, fear and insecurity and loneliness and even death don't have the sting they once had because nothing can ever separate us from his love. Isn't that the life you've always wanted? Isn't that the kind of person you want to be? The kind of person you always dreamed you could be? This is the abundant life Jesus offers. What more could you want? It's more than enough for all of us. But this kind of life is only possible when we are fully committed to apprenticing under Jesus. It's not something that comes from a one-time decision or a prayer you prayed. And you won't find it anywhere apart from Jesus. You need His power, His authority to experience it. So it only comes when we repent and rethink our old approaches to life and admit, I cannot do this on my own. I can't just keep living as I've always lived and throw some Jesus in on the side. I will never experience the abundant life of Jesus that way. I have to repent and to believe, which means to fully commit myself to the good news that through Jesus, I can experience the kind of life I'll get to experience in heaven right now. How? By fully following him and obeying everything he says about life. Because Jesus didn't come just to offer you a little religion, but a new way to be human. A way of life that is modeled after his own life. And he says, if you come to me, I will teach you how to do everything I command you to do. Can you do it on your own? No. You need my grace to do it. And grace is the power of God working in our lives to do for us and enable us to do what we can't do on our own. And that's the invitation of Jesus. Learn from me how to do every part of your life and I will empower you to experience life the way it was meant to be lived. Not just here and now, but forever with me. And I hope you'll be back next week because we're going to talk about a plan to help you do this. Because you're not going to drift towards being an apprentice. You have to make an intentional choice to do this. You have to have a plan of how to do it. And you're going to need some other people to help you walk this out. Next week, we're going to talk about that. But as we end today, I want us to sing this song that I think is this beautiful commitment that reminds us to build our lives on who God is and his love for us. It's this reminder that there is no other philosophy or person that offers the kind of life he provides. And as we listen to the song today, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, I want you to imagine what your life could be like if you truly chose to apprentice under Jesus. Maybe take a chance and text that number on screen. I would love to talk with you about this whole idea. Throw any questions my way or simply share your point of view. I'd love to hear from you. But if you're watching and you've already made the decision to fully follow Jesus, Would you use this song as a reminder of the commitment you've already made to him and be reminded of his great love for you and the change he's made in your life. And then I'll come back.
worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, a name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken. to go on your own. You can't build a good life on your own. You need Jesus. You need his grace and his power and authority in your life to truly experience the abundant and eternal life in his kingdom that he promised you. And so if today you're realizing that and maybe for the first time you're open to that, would you tell that to God? And if you've never done that before, I get it might seem strange, but I promise you that God wants to hear from you. 
You can simply repeat after me right now wherever you're at. And there's nothing magical in these words, but maybe you could take a risk and just say something like this. God, I need you. My way of life has not led me to life. In fact, I've often messed my life up. But I trust that you can do for me what I cannot. I'm asking for your grace and power in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that today, would you let me know? The Bible makes clear that the decision to follow Jesus should not be a private one, that you need to let others know. So would you text me through that number you see on screen? and Just tell me. This is a great first step, and I would love to help you figure out what your next step is in your apprenticeship to Jesus. So please reach out to me right now. And if you're a follower of Jesus right now, I want to invite you to take a moment and remember all that Jesus has done for you as we take part in this meal of communion together. Now, if you're new to the whole church thing, communion is the time when followers of Jesus use emblems of bread and juice to remember the body and blood of Jesus given for us on the cross. It was this sacrifice that made it possible for us to have a relationship with Jesus and to experience the eternal life he promises us. And he asked his followers to remember him in this way. So every week we use whatever elements we have to represent the body and blood of Jesus and we take them together. So for followers of Jesus, if you haven't done so yet, when you get those elements now, it can simply be a cracker or a piece of bread to represent Jesus' body and some juice or even water to represent his blood. But if you're here today and you're not sure you even believe this yet, I just want to encourage you to reflect on all you've experienced today. Could it be true that the best possible life is found in apprenticeship to Jesus? If you feel comfortable doing so, would you say a prayer to him and asking him if he's real, that he'd make himself known to you? I believe he wants to do that. And now for followers of Jesus, take the bread or cracker and hold it in your hand. This is the body of Jesus given for you to forgive your sins and offer you the gift of eternal life. Eat and remember. Now, this is the blood of Jesus poured out to make a relationship with God possible. Drink and remember. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray for all who are joining in today, that they would feel your power and your presence in their life, that maybe for those today who prayed to you and surrendered and admitted they needed your help, would you give them the courage to reach out to let somebody know? God, would you give all of us the power and the strength to embrace apprenticeship to you that we would experience your eternal life by planning to do all that you've commanded us to do? We thank you for Jesus' body and blood that made all this possible. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, once again, I want to thank you for joining in with us online, and I hope you'll be back next week as we talk more about what apprenticeship to Jesus looks like. And if you want to talk about that right now, you can text that number on screen anytime, and I'll be in contact with you soon. Thank you all for joining us, and I'll see you soon.